Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. It was the summer of 2016, an election year with unrest rumbling through America. There were countless triggers, the murder videos of Philando Castile and Alton Sterling, the counterpunch of the alt-right and fake news, Black Lives Matter, Russian meddling, and a discordant national cauldron ready to boil over. It was the birth of Trumpism, but no one knew it yet. Then Colin Kaepernick took a knee, and America lost its mind. The film is called Kaepernick and America, and we're joined today by the co-directors of this terrific documentary film, and that would be Tommy Walker and Ross Hockrow. Tommy Walker and Ross Hockrow, welcome to Film School Radio. Thank you, Mike. Your film feels more relevant today than it you could have possibly thought it would feel, or maybe you thought it would be relevant. It is, there is a certainly an unfortunate evergreen quality to racism in America, and that's what this film is at it's, it's some very basic level about. Tell me a little bit about what inspired the film. Your intro was pretty good. Um, you know, 2016 is a, a, a marker in time that should definitely be studied you know, many times over from many different perspectives. Um, so that's that's a piece of it, and I'll let Tommy go for the other, the other parts, but, you know, that one is... I think we all those events you just named in your intro. I think a lot of people think of those as separate in their mind. They're not. They're all happening basically simultaneously. You know, for me, there's a lot of things. One, you know, I'm 59 years old, and so being born in in you know the the 60s um, and watching things not really change for such a long time in our society or slow, slow, slow movement. And a lot of um, following Watergate, a lot of political malaise that that occurred, it wasn't just like Donald Trump and, and the movement of Donald Trump came into play overnight. It had, been, it had been brewing for a long, long time. We were ripe for a moment that, that 2016 brought us, um, both politically and from the standpoint of a Colin Kaepernick activation, whether it was him or somebody else for that matter. And so these are the kinds of stories that both Ross and I like to tell. As a team, ourselves, and along with uh, Gary Cohen and Bill Stephanie, Bill Stephanie, really uh, one of our other producers, really lit the fire under the, under this project and kept coming at it when people were, were saying, why would you want to do a film? Who cares about Colin Kaepernick? He's not in the news anymore. We pursued it, and thankfully, here we are. When was uh, the last year that uh, Colin was in the NFL? Was it 2017 or 2018? When was his last? 2006, it was... His last game was January first, two thousand seventeen. So it was basically basically twenty sixteen. If, you, if you're right. really his refusal to stand for the national anthem occurred. It was every game in twenty sixteen. That's so right. That's it was right. the, yeah. it was yeah it was all the preseason and then all the you know all the regular season games right up to that last game I just right. mentioned. Well, let, let's before we get too yeah. far into the discussion about what he did. Let's talk a little bit about him. It's explored in the film uh, where he came from, his upbringing, uh, th- those kinds of things. So people have a, for people who aren't sports fans, I can't imagine they don't know who Colin Kaepernick is. But nonetheless, let's let's describe him a little bit. Ross, you want to take that? 
just like his upbringing and stuff? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. Where did he come from? A little bit about his background that gives, I think, gives context to why he's what's such a compelling. And so, just to give you a little insight here, you know, our film is not a Colin Kaepernick biography. So, it doesn't, you know, it does, it gives you here's what you need to know to understand the context of the story that he's adopted, he's transracially adopted, which I'll let Tommy get into and a term I had never heard of before. I think a lot, that'll be a new term for a lot of people. Um, what that means, how does that affect you and, and your worldview? Super athlete, uh, pretty sure he got drafted in baseball and in football. Yeah, and not a lot of you know D1 scholarship offers for football, took the only one he had uh, at Nevada. Um, was awesome, ended up in the NFL and kind of took the whole thing by storm. And I think, you know, I'll let Tommy get into the, you know, he's a biracial kid in America being raised by white parents. And I think that's, that's the thing you want to take a look at when trying to understand, you know, why do you do this or why would he do this? And where does the motivation come from? Things like that. That's all exactly right. And I think that I, even just for me personally, I have a very connected piece to that because I, I grew up in a predominantly white community in the 60s and 70s. And, and so feeling as though you're not in the place that you should be was something that I, I remember entirely as I tried to develop my own identity. But for, for someone like Colin Kaepernick to be born to a family that's mixed race, put up for adoption, which right off the bat, you know, adoption often it tends to then be, well, why didn't my birth parents want me type of thing? So there's a potential for um, people to feel as though they were rejected, even though that that may or may not have been the case for him. The linchpin was he was then adopted into a white family um, that lived in a predominantly white community at the time. Really very few, if any, um, Black people other than people of color were Latinos. And so he's now in in a place where the photographs that he's in, the the school that he goes to, his experience in life does not reflect what he looks like. And and those are struggles that are hard to contend with um, for anybody. We actually interviewed a transracial adoption expert who herself was that in the film. And, and that helped us chart the experience of what it was like for her and her community growing up. And, and, and a lot of the things that, that, that she talked about reflect a lot of the things that I felt. And, I, and I'm not from that experience. And so I think those things help build an understanding for the characteristics, some of the struggles that Colin must have been going through as a child and as a young adult. And it's reflected in choices that he makes when he gets to college, joining a, a black fraternity when he gets to university, trying to, you know, in search of oneself in, yeah. in essence. And, um, you know, I, I spent a lot of time in my career doing films about race, gender and sexuality and search for identity. And so these things are, are very common for people, even when they live in the most comfortable of environments. And so that was something that we really kind of wanted to uh, to delve into. And to that point, I mean, we all, no matter where we come from, whatever circumstances, we are in search of a place, a place where we feel most comfortable, most most productive, most whatever it is, no matter what, but to come from the circumstances of the adoption, which would open your mind up to, you know, who am I and, and where am I uh, now? And the idea of going from the sort of personal journey to understanding the context of the world in which he has been raised and in a country in which he has been uh, a part of for his entire life has led him to this place where um, it, it feels like he spe- not only does he speak what I believe to be the truth of, of, his, of his 
experience and of his society. But also, there's something that resonates when he speaks. I mean, it's his bearing. It's the way he approaches things we see in the film. But it's his ability to be able to be honest in a way and have it land. It's apparently it, it landed powerfully with a lot of people. And that's the thing that for me comes across in the film, uh, Kaepernick and America, is that his bearing and, and his thoughtfulness and his honesty really shine through. Even though he's a man of relatively few words, they 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 mean something. I was going to say, you kind of you're starting to get to the to the crux of it, which is the reason it lands is because of the symbolism of the knee. Uh, and and you know, I think we we talk about this in the film a lot about how symbols really matter and how you know the reason they matter is because there's so much context and weight and narrative and history and whatever you want to pack into it once the symbol is sort of quote, air quotes created, right? The knee, fist in the air, whatever. There's lots of them. I mean, we got a little montage of people pulling, you know, Confederate statues down at the end of the film. Like it's like this, this, this we were sort of like obsessed with this idea. Right. And so, yeah. you know, once he, once he provides that, he doesn't have to say anything. Right. We'll say it all. We'll say it all for him. Both sides will. Um, you know, we'll yell at each other and whatever. And, and there it is. You know, that's that's why it's called Kaepernick and America, because the America piece of it's really not not only is it equally as important, but it's it's more of what it's about. I would add to that. I, I think you're you're spot on. You talk about thoughtfulness and the way he went about things. You know, the fact that he reaches out to, a you know, a, a military veteran to to you know talk to him about what he was doing, how, how, to, how to handle that in the, right, in the right kind of way, tells you a lot about him. And the other thing that, that, that you see in him as, he's, as his awareness is growing is that, I don't want to call him naive, but he's young and he's just starting to learn about what, what he's doing. Suddenly it's like, there's a press conference where people are asking him questions from every direction and he, he's like, wait a minute, you know? I mean, what, you know, what have I stepped into here? You know, to his credit, he stands strong behind it all. But I think people become endeared to him as a human being, realizing that he's sincere and he's real. And he's taking a step down a very kind of a scary road, an unknown kind of territory for him. And you can look back to all the other athlete activists at the time that they did it. It was like, you know. You know, when Tommy Smith and John Carlos put their fists in the air, at that moment in time, you know that their their hearts must have been beating right out of their out of their chest when they when they made that decision to do that because you're putting everything at risk, you're putting everything on the line. And I think, you know, as we talked to so many different people that that watched the moment of Colin Kaepernick kneeling, so much of it was oriented around they were concerned for him, they felt for him, they had sympathy for him, and I think that's why he's an endearing character, yeah. a person. I want to remind our listeners, we're speaking with Tommy Walker and Ross Hockrow. They are the co-directors of the documentary film Kaepernick and America. It is screening at the Tribeca Film Festival. Uh, you can check that out by going to the TribecaFilmFestival.com to find out more about this film as well as others. It will be available virtually uh, through the Tribeca Film Festival starting June 9th. Again, yeah, going back to this, and this is the thing about you know, the system of racism that has prevailed in this country now for 400 years. And that is you're fine until you talk about it. Everybody's okay with it until it is brought up in uncomfortable 
company in uncomfortable circumstances. And I, there's so much to unpack here, and I'm not going to try to relitigate all of the things that have happened around pervasive racism in this country. Nonetheless, the fact is that he brought it up at an inopportune time. I say that in quotes because we are in the midst at this point of, of Trumpism and the rise of Trumpism and Charlottesville and so many other things that have been happening and will continue to happen as long as we allow it to. But this was a particularly acutely um, um, pointed moment, I don't know if that's the right word to use, in American history. And he he did the right thing at the right time, but the consequences, and I think we need to talk a little bit about not only consequences for him, but for the ramification of that, all of these things moving forward during this very intense period of time. Um, Tommy, let's talk a little bit about when he did, when it became apparent what he was doing and why he was doing it. Let's talk just about the NFL part of this. You could, I remember in real time thinking, not only for his safety, but this guy is not going to be in the NFL for very much longer. I knew it, I knew it in sort of intuitively that this guy was not going to survive because of all the major sports, in my opinion, the most, and I've used this word before, and it's probably loaded, the most plantation-like of all of the major sports is the NFL. It has been, and it probably always will be in terms of people's bodies and how long they're good for and all the rest of it. <laughs> I mean, I think that's, that's exactly right. I mean, I think you have to, you don't have to look very far into history to, to find that what happens to activists when they, when they speak on issues that are not popular, right? Um, the silencing of Muhammad Ali, you know, pulling him out of boxing and not allowing him to to participate anymore. We've seen protests against the anthem for reasons of uh, of trying to call out issues within American society relative to race through uh, Mahmoud Abdul Rauf, yes. right? When he when he chose not to come out of the locker room to begin with, and then when he chose not to stand when he was forced to come out of the locker room, that was a statement, and his actions were were dealt with severely, and he ended up not playing anymore, right? And so it's not as though the Colin Kaepernick moment was a new moment. We've seen this moment before. Yeah. And it, 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 what, what it really tells you is it, it can really chart just how far either we have or haven't come in society. Putting a, shining a light on our history, what it does is it, it paints some of the truths that we tend to not pay attention to, you know? And that's why in our schools, we don't teach and in our collective memory, we don't remember. And we move on from one subject to the next so quickly that it doesn't have the um, staying power necessary for us to have significant change um, in this country. And so, you know, when you look at it, um, it, certainly, obviously, as you said before, the NFL is a behemoth. Yes, and the most profitable, is, the most powerful, the most anything in sports. That's right. And, and so when you... We, if you look behind the curtain, you're going to find all of, all the answers to your questions. That's why the curtain stays closed. Ross, you want to add anything? Me covered it. I mean, listen, it's the NFL, and the moment he took that knee, and people started talking about it, and it and it had the impact that it did. I mean, that I mean, of course, if it happens and it doesn't have the impact or just kind of goes away, then I mean, maybe they're not. Maybe the, the reaction is not the same from the NFL side. But you know, I'm, I was with you, like. The moment you saw it, it was like, okay, well, this isn't going to, he's not going to be in the NFL much longer. 
And and I gotta be honest, as a just saying strictly on the sports side of it, it's really unfathomable at that time that Colin Kaepernick wasn't quote good enough to be in the NFL. So it was really blatant. That's yeah. what was so it was like, okay, they're gonna have the audacity to just like blackball this guy for yeah. this and 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 be so blatant about it. And then then what's gonna happen? And the answer is nothing. That's yeah. that's what's gonna happen. People are gonna still watch football. And anyone who's like, I'm boycotting the NFL, you know, maybe, maybe you did, but it <laughs> didn't have any impact. And, yeah. and it just shows the power of the, that league. And, I, you know, I don't have, I don't have an answer to how to solve that. You know, right. it's, it, it's my wife is always like, why do people like the Kardashians? It's like, don't be mad at the Kardashians, be mad at the people. You know, <laughs> if, 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 it's like, yeah. I don't know what to tell you, you know, it's, yeah. it's the NFL. It's also, Ross brought up the Kardashians, right? And we live in a place where, what generates the most wealth, what generates the most kind of excitement around entertainment is what is what is what lasts the longest, right? Which what goes away the fastest is 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 when you when you start to get real about things. And so yeah. NFL realizes that all it has to do is wait people out yes. and they'll be fine. And we'll yes. just keep going down the same road. Wait it out. Right. It'll go away. There'll be another subject that, that distracts people away from this particular issue and we'll be okay. Whether it's concussions, you know, sexual ha- harassment of women uh, or, or, or battery against women or issues of race. And, and, and once you wait it yeah. out long enough, people yeah. still feel the same. Head coaches, right? There's, they just, they know, and the NFL is better than any other sport at crafting narratives. They're constantly Actually, crafting. I, I, I disagree with that. Actually, okay. I was going to say, I feel like, yeah, I feel like the NFL is the worst at the narrative crafting because they're so trans well, and they don't have to be good at it. I was going to say the, the moment that, that I knew that Colin Kaepernick was not going to be in the NFL for very much longer was the moment when Jerry Jones went down on the field to kneel with his team. Do you remember that the whole thing about how he was he was down on the field, but they couldn't yeah. they couldn't kneel for the reason that Colin Kaepernick was kneeling. They had to be kneeling for another reason. I just it was some weird twist on the whole thing. And I thought, you know what? He's gone. There's no way in the world he's going to last very much longer in the NFL because this is all about power and it's all about profit. But it's really about power. And it's about a narrative that that is acceptable for most Americans or in some level we're willing to at least not address reality. And I, I just, this is what's so wonderful about the film. Um, I, I mean, the fact that he has kept his dignity through all of this, he's managed to maintain um, a, de- a degree of presence at the same time. I'm so in, in awe of his ability to have navigated this to the point where he is now. And I have to ask you this question. The, the workout that he just got with uh, with Las Vegas, did your project have anything to do with anything that happened, why he was getting a workout now and not two years ago or four years ago or whatever? I'm just kind of curious. I'm just kind of weird. I have, I, don't, I have an opinion on that. I don't think so. I don't, I don't think so. I have an opinion on that. My, my opinion is, is that optics, if you look at recent history with the Raiders, they had they had a moment with the John Gruden moment that was connected to issues of race. The optics of bringing Colin Kaepernick in for them as an, as an organization right now is actually good optics in this, yeah. in this point in time, yeah. because they can say, well, look, you know, we're the only team that's willing to go do this right now. And that helps them, you know? Um, 
I don't think I don't think anything that we're talking about has anything specific to do with that particularly. I think that's you know, that's just like he's out there. This is an opportunity for us to put a, a good face on it in the right kind of way. All right. Well, I was, yeah, I just, you're right. The optics, it's all about optics. And I hope he gets a chance. And I hope that it was an honest attempt. Again, the film is called Kaepernick and America. And the film is showing currently at the Tribeca Film Festival. Thank you so much to both of you. It's just a terrific film. And again, uh, my hat's off to him as a person and as a leader. I don't know if as maybe a reluctant leader, but I'm so glad that he's out there doing what he's been doing. So thank you, Tommy Walker and Ross Hockrow, the co-directors of Kaepernick and America. Thank you so much. Thanks, Mike. Thank you for the conversation. We really appreciate it. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio. 